I'm just going to do this so I can not feel so far away, far away from you all. That's better. I can also see it's light. Well, what a great night. Special welcome to uh, all your family and friends to Tain. And is it your primary school teacher from St. John's come to support you as well? I mean, whoa, it's fantastic. So uh, it's really exciting night. You can be here. Uh, I'm John. I work with Jamie. And if you are a guest, if it's your first night here, uh, I hope you're having a good time. And I think these heaters are the best heaters this side of the city. Like, they're really warm. You notice we've actually got some turned off because it's like a sauna in here. But good place to be on a cold winter's night. Um, Well, I want to begin by uh, sharing with you a a category of people that the older I get, the, the more I come to love. It's a category of people who have the authority and the expertise uh, to fix a problem when it really needs fixing. So let me give you an example. A few years ago, back in February 2012, uh, after a jog, I had a pain in my left calf and then wasn't, you know, my left leg didn't seem as powerful and stuff. I went to a physio, said, oh, yeah, we tried this, didn't change anything. He tried sticking needles in me as well. You know, that didn't help. Uh, we tried all sorts of things, thinking it was, you know, strained muscle in the calf, whatever. And, uh, and after about six weeks, it sort of twigged that, oh, maybe there's something else going on here, given that quite significant loss of strength in my lower leg. So I had an MRI on my back. And this is sort of uh, what we discovered. So that white thing there is your spinal cord. And you notice there's a bit of a break there, like it's sort of, um, what you've got there is a, is a disc that's normally meant to be between your bones and your back. Some of it's like gone, bleh, and it's just splurted out into the back. And I had about this much of my disc um, pushing out and my spinal, my sort of nerve root to my lower leg, it sort of went like that. <laughs> um, and went to see a, uh, an experienced neurosurgeon and he looked at this and examined me. He said, hmm, look, I think you're probably days away from permanent loss of power in your leg. I think we should fix this quickly. <laughs> uh, and as I sat there, he got on his phone. He rings the, the theatre, organises the theatre. Uh, he rings the anaesthetist, organises the anaesthetist. He says, John, go and organise things. You've got to be here the day after tomorrow and we're operating on your back. Uh, it's a three-hour operation, uh, quite major. Uh, wasn't sure if I'd wake up. Uh, but anyway, a, a couple of days later, and after the three-hour operation, um, I, I, I woke up and I became immediately aware of two things. The first one, that I was alive. I thought, oh, that's good. Okay, made it through, I'm alive. Excellent. But the amazing thing, I quickly realised that all the symptoms in my leg are just gone. Uh, no, no pain, it was all working normally. It was like someone had just flicked a switch. Um, it was amazing. I still to this day remember the relief I felt. I didn't realise how much I'd sort of started imagining life without the use of my left leg and, and those sorts of things. And I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a situation like that. Um, a study crisis, uh, a work situation, maybe a legal matter or a health situation. Um, and... You've sort of been dealing with people who've tried to be helpful, but you've realised, no, I, this is not the person who can fix my problem. And then that person has come along. They've had the authority and the expertise to fix what's needed fixing. 
Uh, when we come to this passage, and particularly as tonight, as we think about the message of Christianity, it's actually very simple. That there is no more urgent or important need that, than a human being has in this uh, world than to be saved back into right relationship with their maker. Uh, this passage here uh, is a crackover passage that helps us to see that Jesus is God's man that he sent uh, with the authority and the expertise who alone can fix our relationship with God. Now, we're in a book called Isaiah. Uh, it's a message from God through a man called Isaiah, a prophet, uh, a message that Isaiah spoke 700, 800 years before Jesus. And we've been uh, working our way through this book for the, for the last eight weeks. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, we looked at four songs about a king and a mysterious servant. Four songs. Uh, and we've discovered that the king and the servant are actually the same person. Uh, that, uh, that God promises to send a servant king. Well, uh, what we've got here in Isaiah 61 uh, is the fifth and the last track in this servant song album in Isaiah. And it's a cracker. It's just fantastic because what it does, it gives us clarity and confidence uh, to run to God's promised change agent, to run to Jesus as the one who really has the authority and the expertise to mend our broken relationship with our maker. So if you haven't got your Bible open, open it up to page, uh, what page are we on? 739, 739, excellent. As we have a look at some of the beautiful things that God promised he would do through his servant king. Um, I've, you'll notice there's not a very detailed outline tonight in your leaflets, but we've got most of it to, uh, behind us. So the first point is this. Uh, Jesus is God's promised change agent. Jesus is God's promised change agent. And the first thing we noticed about him is that this king is a spirit king. He's got the spirit of God on him. Look with me at the start there. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now in the Bible, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is not only God's empowering presence, uh, but the very expertise of God. When God puts his spirit on a person in the Bible, he doesn't just, it's not just his power, his mark, that this person is set aside for a special task. But the spirit actually, he equips that person to be able to get the task that God has given the person to do, to, to get it done. Um, and so if, as we uh, come to Luke's gospel in chapter 3, Luke's gospel chapter 3 and Jesus' baptism, um, this is what's recorded. I think we've got it up here. Uh, when all the people were being baptised by John, Jesus was baptised too. And as Jesus was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now why has Luke recorded this historical event? 
Well, because he's trying to show us that Jesus is the fulfillment of this passage. He is the one on whom the spirit of the sovereign Lord uh, has, has come. And here's the, here's the thing. If God is well pleased with Jesus, if God really delights, delights in Jesus, it makes sense uh, that we maybe should delight in Jesus as well. But look, flick with me to, to Luke's gospel. So there's going to be, keep your finger in Isaiah 61. We're going to be flicking between Luke and Isaiah 61 tonight. I really want us to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God's promised here. We're on page 1018, 1018 now. We're in the next chapter, chapter 4 of Luke. And Luke records um, when Jesus came out and started his public ministry as a 30-year-old. He's come home to his hometown. He's gone to his local church synagogue. He's been given the scroll of Isaiah, and he's, he's found Isaiah chapter 61, and he's read from this chapter. Have a look with me there. Uh, so from verse 17, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus, unrolling it. Jesus found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And surprise, surprise, everyone's eyes were fixed on Jesus. (laughs) can't believe you just read that passage out and what does Jesus say he began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing now just think about the claim that Jesus is making here he's either uh, a charlatan he's lying he's uh, he's self-deceived he's crazy or he's actually telling the truth Now, I don't know where you're at tonight and what you believe about Jesus, but it has to fall into one of those four categories. Now, if you're here and you do believe, might have the suspicion that maybe Jesus was the real deal, then God himself, heaven, gives us the application uh, a few chapters later at Jesus' transfiguration. Luke records a time, he's about halfway through his ministry, he takes Peter, James and John, three of his uh, disciples, he, he, he takes them up a mountain with him and he's, he's changed, Jesus' appearance, he's, he's transfigured like glowing white, whiter than the sun. And, and then we read this, that while Jesus was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered Peter, James, John and Jesus and Peter, James and John, they were afraid as they entered the cloud A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. So if you're here tonight and you've got a suspicion that maybe Jesus is the real deal, he really is God's son, then start listening to him. Start listening to Jesus. That's how we actually show our delight in Jesus. It's like anyone really. If, if you care about someone, if you delight in someone, when they, when they open their mouth and they speak, we listen, don't we? 
listen to him. That's good that you're here tonight. And that's what we're doing. We're listening to Jesus from the Bible. But come back with me to Isaiah 61. Now, like me, you've done something silly. You've taken your finger out from where Isaiah 61 is. Can someone shout out a page number? 739. Excellent. 739. The the next thing that this chapter teaches about uh, God's servant king is what he's come to do and who he's come for. Uh, He's the servant king sent by God to set people free, to set people free. Now, just behind me here, I've set out the next couple of verses here to try to capture a bit more of the original language that this was written in. Um, So we can see just sort of how rhythmic and there's a bit of a pattern here. Um, He sent me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to proclaim release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to proclaim, to bind up, to proclaim, to proclaim, to proclaim, to proclaim. We're not talking about the software program that this thing's using. Uh, To comfort, to provide. Um, the message, the good news message of Christianity, the message about Jesus, it needs to be spoken, needs to be preached, to be claimed, uh, it needs to be shared. Uh, it's, don't ask me why, but it's God's ordained way of how he wants to take the, the truth and the good news of his, his plan of salvation to people everywhere. Uh, as people like you and I, as we proclaim it, as we teach it, as we preach it, as we share it, as we speak it into people's lives. But notice who Jesus has come for. Notice who this servant king will come to serve. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, all who mourn, those who grieve in Zion. Now these words of promise, uh, they've sort of got a more immediate contemporary application for Isaiah and his people there. Just remember that Isaiah uh, is a big book. Uh, part of the reason it's a big book is because uh, God takes a fair bit of time to catalogue all the different ways that God's people and people from all the nations uh, have, have been ignoring God, uh, rebelling against God, um, uh, rejecting God uh, as their God. And and God's discipline, his, his justice that has come upon them is first the Assyrians, he sent them, but then he saved them at the 11th hour. Uh, but then they haven't changed their ways. And so he said, well, I'm raising up the Babylonians. They're going to come. They're going to level Jerusalem and they're going to carry uh, the survivors away. And you're going to be in Babylon in a foreign land as aliens and strangers for, for 70 years. And then I'm going to bring uh, a group of faithful people back to Jerusalem and uh, you're going you're gonna to rebuild it. And so these words of promise, they're, they're first spoken uh, to this little band of people who are going to find themselves captive uh, and brokenhearted uh, and feeling like God's abandoned them. And, and, and the city of God, the city of Jerusalem, which in the Bible represents, if you like, the fulfillment of God's promises, um, that it's like they're dashed. That God's promises, they, they seem dashed, like there's no hope. But through Isaiah, God is giving them this message of comfort. He's going to send his servant king for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those who grieve, for, for those who, who 
are holding firm, are waiting for God to come. Now the word God uses to describe their spiritual condition, and in fact the spiritual state of every human being, is unrighteous. Unrighteous. Which just means that there is no one who's in the right with God. There's no one who can come before God and God will say and declare them to be in the right with him. We all fall short of God's glory. We all fail to love and honour God as we should. It's like what we've done. We've sort of done what so many Brits have done in the last week. Talked to Colin about that. He's, you're a bit flat this morning, mate, weren't you? You're, just, you're not the same. Yeah, just can't believe that it's happened. But these, they voted. They voted to sort of leave the EU. To, to leave the European Union, They've, they want to go it alone. Well, that's what every human being has done when it comes to God. We, we, we think that we can do a better job at life without God, without listening to God. Now, at the moment, I guess time will tell what the consequences are for, for Britain uh, in, in, in going it alone, in leaving the EU. But, friends, the Bible, gee, it's, it's very clear the consequences for uh, rejecting God's life-giving and loving rule for your life, the consequences are catastrophic. Catastrophic. Um, that The wage God gives us is death and judgment, and he, he gives human beings what they ask for, an eternity without God and anything good. But... We come to a passage like this, Isaiah 61, and, and such is God's love, such is God's love for his, for, for his rebel creatures that he sends his servant king to rescue not just his wayward people back into relationship with himself. But in verse 5 of chapter 61, we read that this servant king is going to come and make it possible uh, for aliens and strangers and foreigners from other nations to come back into right relationship with God. And here we sit tonight, many of us, here we sit tonight as living testimony, living testimony to fulfilment. Uh, all sorts of, can I say, very beautiful aliens and strangers that have heard the gospel and have come to this servant king. And what is the servant king's mission? Uh, freedom, uh, release, uh, year of the Lord's favour, the day of vengeance. Uh, what, what's that about? Well, he's come to release and set people free, um, not from, you know, economic captivity we might find ourselves in <laughs> or, or whatever, uh, but actually to set us free from, from the forces and the powers that, that actually tear at life, that tear at life, that sabotage our relationship with God and with each other. Uh, the year of the Lord's favour, it's, 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 it's a word for the year of jubilee. Um, and uh, I think I'm right in saying that I think every 50 years, uh, what happened in, in the nation of Israel, it was like this reset button got set. And if you're a slave, you got set free. Um, if you'd had to sort of sell your land to get out of debt or whatever it is, that was returned to you. 
Uh, it's like this massive reset button. Um, all debts, all debts forgiven. And, and you started fresh again. And, and that's the idea that sits behind what this servant has come to do. To forgive all debts that we may have with our maker. Past, present and future. Wiped clean. Imagine that. Never, ever being in debt to God again. The day of vengeance, at the English word, it sort of probably arouses negative connotations, the day of vengeance. Uh, But actually in the Bible, it has a, a more positive meaning. It's actually associated with the day of justice where all wrongs are righted uh, and, and actually has the idea of redemption behind it, a day of redemption. And here's the thing. You may already be in economic debt, uh, this little thing called hex. Anyone? Yeah? Yeah. You're still going, mate. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yep. Um, and or, or you may find yourself living somewhere where you're feeling... Uh, oppressed as many people in the world are by a political regime Um, but these are not what we need to fear this is not what people need to be uh, set free from or released from in chapter 12 of Luke's gospel he records Jesus saying this I tell you my friends do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more but I'll show you whom you should fear Fear him whom after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And hell or Gehenna is that word, it's that that reality, that place uh, where God is not, uh, where anything that you associate with good in this world, there, there's, it's not there. This, it's, it's a horrible existence. And... Who is the him that Jesus is talking about? Well, it's Jesus. He makes it very clear that it's before Jesus. God's given Jesus, his servant king, all all authority, not just to save, but to judge. It's before Jesus will all stand and be sifted and audited on that day when he comes back. See, what's our most urgent and important need? Uh, It's not to be rescued from climate change. It's not border protection. It's not economic reform. It's not better health care. It's not even a cure for cancer. Although all those things are possibly good things for life in this world. These are not our most important and urgent need. Jesus said it's the forgiveness of this massive debt of sin that we owe to our maker. It's... It's that we be reconciled with our God. I'll give you an example again, uh, back in Luke chapter 5 now. Luke records a couple of blokes who uh, are really passionate to get their paralysed mate to Jesus so he can be healed. I mean, they're so, they're so committed uh, that they, they come to the house where Jesus is. They dig a hole in the roof and they, they lower the guy down in front of Jesus, right there, plonk. Um, and you can sort of imagine the scene, you know, there's his their paralysed mate down in front of Jesus. Um, the, the room's just crowded with people. There, there are these two mates sort of looking down through the hole, you know, look, looking to see what's, what, what's Jesus going to do. Um, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said, not, oh, mate, you're healed, get out of here, come on so I can keep teaching. 
He says, no, no. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, blind Freddy can see that this guy's greatest need is to walk again, isn't it? Surely he's paralysed. What does Jesus say? That's not your greatest need, mate. It's that your sins are forgiven. The religious leaders who are present, they smell a rat. That's not right, because they know only God has the authority to forgive sin. And so Jesus responds to their confusion and mumbling, saying this. I think we've got it here. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. You read a gospel like Luke, Jesus performs many signs, many miracles, many healings. Uh, But of course, they're all signs to point to the reality that he, he has the authority of God to do the greater thing, the more urgent thing that we need, which is to forgive our sin, to forgive the debt that we owe to God. A little later, in response to some religious leaders who are upset with Jesus because he's hanging out um, with all the, uh, the, the irreligious riffraff, uh, like tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, and uh, Jesus is eating with them. And, uh, and he says, he says to, to, to these religious elite, he says, look, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. People who know they're in debt to God. And he want to turn back to God. He want to come back to God. I've come so they can come home to God. Again, in response to a wealthy businessman, towards the end of his public ministry, a, a little bloke called Zacchaeus, who has to climb a, a tree to get a look at Jesus. And Jesus surprises everyone when he stops and says to Zacchaeus, come down, I want to come to your house. In fact, I'm coming to your house. Uh, and we're going to have a meal together. Oh, he, well, Zacchaeus can't believe it. And so he invites all his mates. Um, and there's Jesus, they have throwing this dinner. And then we're not quite told how it happens, but obviously in, in the process, as, as Zacchaeus, uh, this tax collector who's actually ripped off a lot of people, he has ripped off a lot of people. Uh, he's, he, he's confronted by Jesus and he's convicted that, that, that he's a sinner, that he's in this sin category. He, he's, he comes to realise for the first time what he is as he sits here in the presence of Jesus, God's son. And so he stands up in the middle of all his mates and does the most amazing thing. He admits he's a sinner. He says, Jesus, everyone that I've ever wronged, everyone that I've ever overcharged, I'm going to pay them back four times what I ripped them off. Four times. Now, according to Jewish law, all he had to do was to pay them back double the amount Four times. See, this is a guy, he's overwhelmed with his sin. He's overwhelmed by the grace that Jesus has offers. And at the end of the, the dinner party, um, Jesus stands up and gives his little after, after dinner speech. And what does he say? The son of man, me, has came to seek and to save the lost. Came to seek and to save people who are lost from God and to bring them home again. What's it like to experience the power and expertise of God's change agent? Well, it's, it's to experience a great reversal, a great renewal. Just come back with me to Isaiah 61 if you've moved on, 739, 739. And verse 3 and 7. And we're told what it's like to experience 
being, being rescued, being set free by God's servant. A crown of beauty instead of ashes, verse 3. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Or look with me, verse 7. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of your disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. Uh, It's the idea of an inheritance, a place at God's banquet table, a place in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but a plain reading of those two verses, the key word seems to be instead. (laughs) Uh, Not this, but this. It's a picture of complete reversal and renewal. Uh, The mourning um, uh, uh, of a guilty conscience that only sin, not knowing that you've stuffed up, uh, that mourning and grief um, gone, removed. The burden of that weight lifted. Uh, The wage of death, the fear of death, gone. Living each day knowing that you, you you stare death down, you just... Never fear death ever again. Sin's grief and the wage of death replaced by the joy of forgiveness, the joy of forgiveness and the complete removal of death's fear. Again, I don't know where where you're at tonight, uh, but is this something you've experienced with Jesus yet? The power and the expertise of Jesus. Have you experienced his power his expertise to renew and to remove. And so, as we come back to Luke, we're up to Luke chapter 7 now. <laughs> um, Luke chapter 7, uh, and, and he brings us uh, with Jesus and everyone who's following him outside to a little town called Nain, a little town called Nain, and Jesus and those following him, they're coming, they want to just about to enter in through the town's gates, but their way is blocked. They can't get into the town because it's blocked by death. Because uh, a young man, uh, maybe the age of of some of the young men here, is dead. He's been carried out on a bier, on a stretcher. uh, And following behind, uh, mourning and grieving, is his mum, her only son, gone, dead. And behind her, the whole town, grieving and mourning and wailing. Jesus' way... In is blocked by death. And we're told that Jesus, he, he, he looks, he feels great compassion for the, for, for the mother, great compassion. And the, that word sort of splugnizomai, it's like he's, he's, his innards churning. It's the, strongest, it's the strongest feeling you can feel towards another human being. It's, and he's gripped by it. And what does Jesus say? Well, you know, re- really quite ridiculous and quite horrible, really, if you think about the grieving mum there. Young man, I say to you, get up. <laughs> He's dead. Young man, I say to you, get up. What a cruel joke. Oh. Next funeral you go to, try that. But, We're told that the dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all, understandably, filled with awe and praised God and praised God. Who is this? Who is this who can 
who can raise the dead. The Gospels repeatedly record Jesus having the power and expertise to bring dead people back to life again. It's a sign that Jesus alone has the power and expertise to really mend your relationship with God. He really, really can remove that wage, that debt that you owe God. He really, really can raise you from the grave and promises to do just that for any who trust him. Well, soon after this episode, uh, Luke records uh, a woman who had lived a very sinful life. Uh, She gate crashes a posh dinner party at a religious leader's house called Simon. Uh, Simon's gone all out. He's gathered his, his cool mates, the elite in the town. He's invited Jesus. He's, he's laid on the best feast. Um, and, and then this woman, gate crashes. She she's, spends all her life saving. She buys this big jar of perfume. She comes in uh, and, and at Jesus' feet, uh, she pours the whole jar over Jesus' feet. Uh, that mingled with her tears as she's weeping. Uh, tears pouring over Jesus' feet and the dust on his feet turning to mud. Then she gets her hair and she starts washing and wiping Jesus' feet. You sort of imagine the scene as just of chaos. Uh, it's... But what love is this? What love is this that will throw a life savings away like that? That will humiliate themselves in public to such an extent? Well, needless to say, Simon and the town officials were very ticked off uh, with Jesus. But, and Luke records, this is what Jesus says to the woman. Your sins are forgiven. Exactly the same words to that paralytic. Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who's this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's really, really special to be here tonight and thanks for allowing us to be part of this occasion, Centaine, and really it's just fantastic. Whenever anyone comes out in public and and declares their love for Jesus, their faith in Jesus, I hope you've been greatly encouraged and challenged. Uh, It's been fascinating over the last 12 months seeing, you know, Centaine's joy for Jesus and her love of being here with all of you and the way she's serving more. It's, it's been fantastic to see the way she's grown and, uh, in, in all of this. But have you experienced the joy of Jesus? Experienced the shame and disgrace of your sin? Those things you've said and done that you think no one knows about? Jesus does. Have you experienced... The joy of Jesus, of of that shame, of that disgrace that you feel, the dirtiness inside, the guilty conscience, the weight, the burden, lifted, gone. Have you heard Jesus say to you, your sins are forgiven? Go in peace. Your faith in me has saved you. Do you know the peace of this love, of this forgiveness? To be a Christian 
is to continually be uh, being remodelled. God's agenda is always a change agenda. He's never happy with the status quo. He always wants what's best for you, for people everywhere. And so his agenda is always one of change. God's in the change business. He sent his servant King Jesus who's demonstrated in time and place in history, he really, really does have the authority and the expertise to change those things in your life that only he can. We're changing things all the time. Surface changes. Uh, I suspect that many of us who drive a Ford Focus or Fiesta are about to make a change. I think it's 20,000 cars that don't work or something. The biggest lawsuit against any car maker ever is about to hit some sort of power shift thing that doesn't work, false advertising. Sorry for all you Ford lovers out there. That's why I'm a Holden man. (laughs) Anyway, but what we do, we we change... Tim, sorry, mate. We we change cars, we change clothes, we change our hair, we change appearances. And and look, it's it's nice to make changes. Um, It feels good for a bit, but deep down we know that they're not really the changes that we, we long for and yearn for and desire. The change that God's on about is deep change. We still live in a world where people are hurting desperately. Maybe there's some here tonight. The core thing for Jesus was restoring relationship with God. We can make many changes. That'd be good. But the essential changes, the the important and urgent changes that we need is this restoration of our relationship with God. Jesus was hated for coming into the world and wanting to make this change. He was put on a cross, suffered because of it. And you make this change, you come out and you keep coming out with people that, you know, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian. Um, You'll experience some of this kickback. But remember the difference between treating the symptoms and treating the cause. It's why I started with that story. Uh, the physio I went to was a good physio. I mean, it was great with my rehab afterwards and I'd go to him and, and I'd sort of feel better for, li- for a little while, for a day or two, and then things would regress again. And life can be like that. You can do a course, read a book. What it, if, you know, go and buy something. feels good for a day or two. But it doesn't actually change those things that need changing. Just band-aids. What we need is the cure. Jesus has come into the world and he's, he's, given, he's given you and I everything. He's given us his life to, so that we can experience that deep inner change, that heart change, that life change, that status change from being unrighteous to righteous, like a beautiful big oak of righteousness. Like to be who God has made us to be, to know and enjoy life in right relationship with God. Uh, we've been made to now to experience life free from a guilty conscience, free from the fear of death, free of the power of all those forces that are against God and against his people. That's what we're made for. And if you haven't yet experienced this joy, this peace of Jesus, you can put your trust in Jesus. Do it now. 
last week came in to check to see if our office here was ready for us to move into and Andrew who's the centre manager he came out and said oh John look I'm really sorry but we had an incident yesterday yeah, and so we, we couldn't do it and I said oh what happened he says oh well actually uh, a man in his 70s was sort of out riding his bike and he dropped dead just out the front and, 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 and Sherelle who works on the desk uh, she was first on the scene and she, they've got a resus pack out the front and she took that out and she spent 20 minutes trying to resus the guy. But then the ambos came, they spent another 40 minutes. Uh, she, was, she was right there at the coalface and it turns out that this man probably had a, a massive heart attack or a stroke. He was dead before he hit the pavement. The flowers are still out there. Now who knows whether he'd been putting off sorting out his relationship with his maker, thinking, I'll get around to that someday. Um, a couple of years ago, a 15-year-old girl, Haley from Bryan Secondary School, she's out walking the family dog. She's standing at the lights, waiting to cross the road. A semi-trailer turns the corner. It's got a trailer on the back. The corner of the trailer hits her in the head, dead instantly. It doesn't matter what age you are tonight. If you have not yet sorted out your relationship with your maker, do not delay. This, this is not something to oh, put on the shelf. I'm busy. I'll get around to that later. Friend, I urge you, please sort it out. Sort it out tonight. And for those who have and life's become a bit dull and dry and you think, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, but I really haven't felt this joy for a while. Well, just remember that we're not home yet. Like we're still, we're still in our old bodies. Uh, we still experience all the things, all, all the groaning that this world experiences, uh, waiting for Jesus' return, waiting for, for, for Jesus to raise us in our new bodies, be part of his new creation. But, and so... We've got to keep turning to God, turning to Jesus. Keep reminding ourselves of just how beautiful, how glorious, how majestic, how powerful Jesus is. Uh, to just keep praying and asking Jesus we might know more of the love of Christ, the joy and the peace of him as our Lord. And so as we finish off with some beautiful words from Isaiah 61, from Isaiah 61, and I keep taking my finger out of the page. Right here, 739. Yep, excellent. <laughs> We're right down the bottom in the right-hand corner of page 739. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. All those episodes in Luke 4, 5, 6 and 7 that I've just highlighted tonight. All people who come to meet Jesus and all leave Jesus doing what? Praising and rejoicing in God. Jesus is the fulfilment of all that you desire in life, all that God has promised and his offer is joy, rejoicing, peace. I delight greatly in the Lord. 
My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. How about we rejoice in our God now?